0: Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey, good morning. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew 14. If you don't have a traditional Bible, uh, but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand one of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device and you can open up the YouVersion app. It's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures, everything except for pictures have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put everything up here on the screen just to make it as easy as possible for you. If you are watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, I love you and I'm so glad that you guys are part of our family and so glad that you guys here, right here in the 920 are also a part of our family. Uh, Messages we're bombarded with messages. Every moment of every day, so many messages. Texts and emails, snaps and tweets and DMs, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, ads and requests on our phones, our iPads, our computers, our watches, buzzing and dinging all day Long. I'm not a phone on guy. I normally just have my phone on silent because I don't want to be that person whose phone goes off in the theater or whose phone goes off in church. And I'm old enough now that I can't figure out when my phone goes off. How to turn my phone off? Have you gotten to that point yet where the phone is going off and you got the guitar phone ring? They play. By the time you figure out how to turn the phone off, the whole song has played. When Pastor Sonny texts me or calls me. Me. I actually have a dedicated ringtone for her. It's Charlie Wilson. There goes my baby. And it'll play the whole song if I don't, if I don't click the button. So my phone's normally on silent, but the last two weeks we've had uh, some stuff that have been going on for us where, where uh, once a day I would get a phone call that I could be on for 15 minutes and I, and I needed to have that call. Like I didn't want to miss it. I was like desperate to not miss it. And so my phone has been turned on and the volume has been turned up and it's like, bing, boop, boop. it's like all day, every day, all it is is dings and bings and pings and rings. And it's ridiculous. It's, it's so many notifications, so many messages. It is hard to keep up. It's hard to keep track messages from people we want to hear from And messages from people we don't. Encouraging messages and discouraging ones. Messages that bring life and messages that bring death from others and from ourselves. I want to talk about those last ones for the next few weeks in this series that we're calling I Message, the messages we send ourselves. And I want to start today with a message that we're calling I'm Off Track. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We're grateful to you. This is the day that you have made. So we will rejoice and we will be glad in it, God, regardless of our situation, regardless of all of the situations that are happening around us and within us, God, we will give you praise. We will give you thanks. God, we'll spend a few moments today where we pause and we just reflect not on who we are, not on what we've got going on, but God, on who you are and on what you've got going on. And so God, today I pray for my friends in this room who are giving themselves the wrong message. I pray that you'd purify our hearts and our minds. I pray that today in this place, uh, your Holy Spirit would rise up within us and that when we leave here, we'll be less like us and more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Uh, I remember the first time I got a text. It was uh, 1999. I'd just gotten my first cell phone. Pastor Sonny and I actually shared the phone. It, it was a Motorola StarTAC. Man, you'd flip that joker open, pull that antenna up, and you could talk to anyone, anywhere, at any time. It was the picture of freedom. It was like having America in the palm of your hand. I was so proud of that phone, man. I, I had a, I had me a little case, and uh, and you, and you put the uh, it's leather. You put the case on the top. You flip it open. And you put the case on the top, and it's a little plastic that would cover the screen so your face didn't get on it. And then a little a little uh, the, the case you put on the bottom, and the plastic uh, would cover uh, the 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 buttons. So your face didn't get on him. And, and then uh and then there was a little a little uh, uh hook on like a like a button on the back, and a little piece of leather that it would connect them together. And then there's a uh, a clip. You put that phone on your belt. Man, you couldn't tell me nothing. I uh, uh, I thought uh, uh, we had a plan at the time that had 100 minutes per month. I mean, it's the phone. It's, it's for emergencies. And, and so we took turns uh, carrying a phone. When, when one of us had to be somewhere where we were going to be away from a landline, uh, we, we used to call it the cell. We'd carry we'd carry the cell. And we'd ask each other, are you going somewhere? Hey, you got cell? <laughs> He'd say, hey, listen, if you need to get a hold of me, you can get me on the cell. My pastor at the time, he had a car phone. Man, what I thought. He robbed a bank. I thought he had his white Lincoln Town car with the blue leather interior, and he had a little phone that was wired in. Man, you could, boop, 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 you could dial that mug up, and you could talk without picking up. So hold up a minute. Where are you talking? It was like Jesus was in the cup. Like I was like, and he had he had a little uh, a little thing on the side. The wire was run through the whole car, but you couldn't see it. And he stuck a little thing, a little uh, piggy tail antenna on the outside of his car. Some of you had that in your Saturn, but you didn't have a phone because you wanted people to think you had a phone. And back then, if somebody drove by you and had the piggy curly Q tail thing on the side of their car, you thought that must be the president. cause Or Oprah, one of the two, because they must have... They must have the car phone. Like I had, I had a cell phone, man. I, I was so proud of that phone, man. I felt like Tony Montana. Like I'm the king of the world. <laughs> like I felt like, I felt like I was a drug, drug, I was a drug dealer or a pop, K-pop star. Like I could, I, so anyway, I remember when I got my first uh, text and uh, we'd had the phone for a few months and uh, the, the little red light, uh, started flashing on the top of the StarTAC. And, uh, and I, I tried everything. This was before Google. So I, I tried everything. I read the instructions, trying to figure out how, how do I get the little blinking red light off the top of the StarTAC. And so finally, I broke down and I took it to the Nextel store. You don't know nothing about Nextel. Remember, you remember used to have a cell phone that was basically a cell phone and a walkie-talkie? You used to click the side of that, boop, boop, and you could talk. What? You didn't even have to dial the buttons? I could talk to anybody if they have a the next cell. Uh, so I took it to the tech. And uh, you ever have a tech talk to you like, like you're so dumb? Because he, he looked at my phone, and he said, oh, I see the problem. Uh, you got unread SMS. SMS, yeah, SMS, it stands for short messaging service, you you can, you can type messages into your phone using the T9, (coughs) whoop, and you could send them to anybody else who has a cell phone, but you can only use 160 characters, you gotta, you got your unread SMS. I said, T9, he said, yeah, T9, you got buttons on your phone and uh, you type messages on the buttons, and he just kept looking at me like I was stupid, he said, okay, hold here's an example, like if you want to say hello to somebody, uh, all you got to do is hit the number four twice, the number three twice the number five three times, the number five three times, the number six three times. Then you got to hit the okay button. And when you hit the okay button, the screen will pop up and it'll ask you if you're sure that you want to send the SMS. If you hit okay, then it'll send hello. I said, I got to do all that just to say, hello, ma'am, please. In the time I could have hit all them buttons, I could have followed five people and told five people, what happened in my day? I went home and I told Pastor Snyder this story. Of course, I embellished it. And I told Pastor Center, So I said, I went, this. this man told me that my phone, if we could send an SMS, it's short message, stupid, uh, something, and you got it. <laughs> whoop. And I, I said, man, psh, SMS. I said, ain't nobody ever going to do that mess. And in 1999, I was kind of right. Because back in 1999, the average American sent 0.7 texts per month. Today, the average American sends 72 texts per day, and most of them are while they're steering with their knee. (laughs) That doesn't count messages that you send on outside apps like Snap or WhatsApp or that you send on social or, or emails like messages. We are bombarded with messages every moment of every day, some good, some bad. Interestingly, the worst of the messages that we send usually come from ourselves. We're constantly sending ourselves messages telling ourselves things like I'm worthless, I'm stupid, I'm lazy, I'm a disappointment, I'm unqualified, I'm a sinner, or like today, I'm off track. And it's really easy to tell yourself you're off track. Your career isn't where you thought it would be. Your marriage isn't what you thought it would be. Your finances, your health, your weight aren't where you want them to be. You're not living where you thought you'd be living. You're not driving what you thought you'd be driving. Like when I was a kid, I used to tell everybody when I turned 16, my first car is gonna be a Porsche 911. <laughs> well, I'm 49. I've still never owned a Porsche 911. I could very easily look at myself and feel like vehicularly I am off track. (laughs) But when you don't end up where you thought you wanted to be or doing what you thought you'd be doing, it's easy, almost natural to think you're off track. There's this really interesting story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus could have easily felt like he was off track. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works, because I started working on this message weeks and weeks ago. And yet last week, Dr. Hagen, who, by the way, I don't know if I've ever met a cooler 60 year old in my whole life. Like I, I was watching him online. And when he came on, first of all, he was walk, he walked in a way that it was like, is he touching the st- Like, is he, why is he so cool? Yeah. Black turtleneck. And a jean jacket and some tight, like to me, like if I own khakis, I'm either in private school or working at Target. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't do the khaki thing. But if I looked in khakis like Scott Hagen looked in khakis, I would wear nothing but khakis. And they were just a little bit short. So you could see his Paul McCartney ankle boots. I said, what? Scott Egan looks like he just came off the of Days of Our Lives. I didn't. I missed the first 10 minutes of the message because I was thinking, where can I get that outfit? I was texting him while he was preaching. Bro, where do you get that turtleneck? I couldn't wear that turtleneck, though. If I wore a turtleneck, I'd look like a piece of Christmas candy. You know what I'm saying? That Christmas candy where the top is a little too tight and the bottom, and then the centerpiece, I would look like... Uh, like a piece of chocolate is all. I look like a, a bonbon. It's, a, it's like where do you get that thing? So anyway, once I got beyond him, I finally heard this message that he preached called "Enough Already." And he told the beginning of this story, except he told it from Mark's perspective, from Mark chapter six. And him and I hadn't spoken about what he was gonna speak about last week or what I was gonna speak about this week. But in the beginning of Mark's story in Mark chapter six, and at the beginning of Matthew's story in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus' friend, cousin, and really one of his heroes, John the Baptist, has just been executed. And Jesus is wrecked by it. He, He is completely undone. And verse 13 says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, what news? The news about his friend and cousin and mentor, his, his home. He, he has just heard about John the Baptist. As soon as he heard about John the Baptist's death, he went off by himself in a boat to a remote place to be alone. And that word alone actually means to mourn. So as soon as Jesus heard about what happened to John the Baptist, he went off by himself in a boat so that he could mourn. But the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed by land from all sorts of different cities, towns, and villages. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And and he healed people for so long like, like so many people had come. So the word had spread. It, 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 the telephone game had happened in every little town, every little village, every little shanty that had somebody who was sick. They, they just li- thousands of people, this got in a line and, and people who had stretchers and, and people who had people uh, thrown over top of their shoulder and, and two people, uh wheelbarrow carrying somebody and people with broken arms and, and people with crutches and people with babies that had the colic and never stopped crying and, and people who had cancer and people who had a cough so long that they had forgotten what life was like without a cough. They heard, they heard that Jesus was going to land at a certain place. And so, and so they all, they all lined up and Jesus, he has compassion on them and he heals people for so long. It takes them so long to get through the line. To, to, it, it takes him so long to heal all the people that, that the sun has gone down. Night has fallen, and, and, he, and he, has to, uh, he has to feed the people. And this is where we see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And what's interesting is, is that he wasn't there for miracles. He was there to mourn. He he wasn't there for them. He was there for, he didn't go to that place because he knew that they were going to be, they knew to that place because they knew he was going to be there. But Jesus wasn't there for the people. He was there for some peace. And yet the people lined up. And when Jesus got off the boat, he, he, he had compassion on them. And and I wonder if, if he felt like he should have gone a little bit farther down the coast where the people couldn't reach him. I wonder if Jesus, when he, when he made landfall, if he felt like he was off track. But even in the chaos of his life, he had compassion on theirs. In his deepest distress, he manifests one of his most magnificent miracles. He was in mourning. and Because he was in mourning, he could have gone into hiding. But he understood what most of us never do, that mourning isn't a death sentence. That just because one thing dies in your life doesn't mean that everything else in your life has to die too. Like, and, and mourning isn't just for physical death. Mourning is for all sorts of death, for, for spiritual death and for emotional death and relational death and the death of a dream and the death of your bank account and of your 401k and of the crypto that you thought was gonna hit or the real estate that you thought was gonna pop or, or, the, or the kid who you thought would always follow Jesus who doesn't follow Jesus or the spouse who you thought would always be with you for the rest of your life, but they just walked out. They just abandoned you. And now you find yourself alone Raising some snotty-nosed kids, trying to figure out how it is that you can continue to go on. You you are in mourning, you are you are in grieving, and I understand mourning all too well. There's a little casket buried in Seattle with my daughter in it that serves as my resume for mourning. But but what I learned in, in the moment of my mourning, and what Jesus shows here in the runoff of his is that death in one area of your life can bring birth. To life in another. In the midst of, in the middle of your morning, you can do one of two things. You can shrink back or you can strive forward. It, it, it's it's going to change your perspective no matter what. Uh, and it, it can change your, your perspective for the better, or it can change your perspective for the worst. And, and when you're in the deepest, darkest, most distressful moments of your life, it is difficult for you to think that this moment may be for something that is more significant than it really is. It can just feel like it is a moment where the shadows encapsulate you and where you will never, ever, ever recover. And so you can, you can react one way or you can react another. For me, I used it as a platform to write a book on my morning and to give myself to thousands of people who would walk the same road. For Jesus, he stepped off the boat and had compassion on him. Those, those 5,000 people, are, they're in heaven right now, glad I wasn't Jesus. I'd have showed up. And, <laughs> I'd have kept going. I'd have said, ah, nope, I'm not here. I'm not here for you. Call me tomorrow, because I got some morning to do. But he met their deepest needs in the middle of his, and you know uh, i 've discovered that there are three things that mourning can do if you will let it here 's the first is that if you 'll let it, mourning will take your eyes off yourself. He, he, he took his eyes off of his suffering and put it on theirs, and he healed the people. I have a soft spot for homeless people. I used to not have a soft spot for homeless people. I used to have a hard spot for homeless people. I used to be that guy who, when somebody was homeless, I would drive by, roll down the window, honk my horn, y'all get a job, bum. You know, like, I'm like some of you guys, like, just like bothered by it. But then I met a homeless guy and I, I learned his story. I was at school in Minneapolis and I, I met this guy, this cat, his name was Red. And, uh, me and me and my friends used to go this same corner. We used to, we used to uh, sit around well, I wasn't saved yet, so we, you know, we used to just stand around, do stupid stuff. And uh, Red, that was his spot, so we would be in, in Red's spot. And one day, uh, Red came up. He said, hey, cat, you think I get $2, man? Well, you know, I had $3 in my pocket, so I was like, well, I still got a dog. I, I can still get a Fanta, you know? So I, I took, <laughs> took my little $2. I gave it to Red. And Red was my dog anyway. Like, he, Red was cool. Like, he, he wore slacks. And uh, dress shoes, slip on dress shoes, a little Pierre Cardin with a little logo, and he, he would put a uh, grease, like a little hair grease in his head, and he would try to get his head slicked back. He didn't have a job or a house, but he had some pride, you know. So he he'd walk in, hey, cat, let, uh, let me get $2. Give me $2. The red came out of uh, the corner store with a, a can of Lysol, and not the fresh linen. Like like the original like like the like the yellow rust yellow colored, the, you know the Lysol that it smelled, like if you, uh, it smells worse than if you break like you you go this, oh that's Lysol so he he, would take, he came out the, the store with the Lysol and he was he was spraying it in a cap. There's hold on this guy watching. And then, and then he took the cap, he said, whoosh, dri- psst, and he started feeling it bad. I said, whoa, 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 red, red. Hey, I don't think you're supposed to drink Lysol. Like, there's a skull and crossbones on the back of the can. And besides, you're being totally inefficient, just spraying in your, I just spray like some banaca. Like, just, why are you wasting the, the cap made him feel more normal, like he felt like this, he had him a little glass and like he was Top Gun at the bar, you know, so he, he, I said, bro, what are you doing? He said, man, this is the cheapest alcohol you can get, $2. I said, man, why, what is going on that you are, you have gotten to the place where you are drinking Lysol? So he went out and told me, his story. you know, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. You might not want to hear it, but everybody has a story. So Red went on to tell me that he used to be a SWAT cop in Phoenix and, uh, and him and his, him and his, his team, they were going on a drug raid and, and they partner up and, uh, red was responsible for another guy and they would, you know, they would go back to back and, and they were supposed to watch each other. And somehow red got distracted. And when red got distracted, somebody, somebody brought a shotgun around the corner and blew his partner's head clean off. And red clicked, started walking. Somehow ended up in Minneapolis. I don't know if that story's true, but that's the story he told me. And when he told me that story, I instantly realized that not every one of these guys is bums. So uh, the other day I was in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I was uh, leaving the Home Depot, and uh, there was a lady at the street corner. She had a a sign, and uh, she looked sad, and the sign the sign said, single mom. I don't know if she was a single mom or not. That's not, it's not really my job to know if the sign is true. It's just my job to listen to the voice that speaks to me when I read the sign. The sign said, single mom. Everybody's driving by. Everybody's ignoring her. We stopped at the light. I looked. I rolled down the window. I said, Psst. She looked up. She came over. I handed, her a, I handed her a $20 bill. She started to sob, sob, cry and sob. And to me it was $20, it was, uh, it was a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Doesn't it feel like that? Like Starbucks, what? If you get an extra shot, they're like, it's $22. You're like, what? Do you have a, you have like a card that if I take get 15% off, if I take this out, like what? I was like, but to me it was like, it's not that, it's not that I, it's, it's $20. To me, it was a $20 bill. To her, it was hope. See, like when you're in the middle of your morning, you have a choice, you can put your eyes on you, or you can put your eyes on other people. Yeah. Here's the second thing I learned uh, that you could, uh, morning can do is that mourning uh, has the ability, if you let it, to put your situation in perspective. Uh, Jesus had met their spiritual needs. He, he had healed them. They were, they were healed. They were cured. Uh, uh, but now he realized that he needed to meet their physical needs. God will give you opportunities to meet the needs of people at all times. There is always an opportunity. uh, Yesterday, uh, my son Isaiah and I were at the Quick Trip in Manitowoc. And I went inside because they sell Fago Pop at uh, Quick Trip. And so I wanted to rock and ride. So we were in uh, the Quick Trip. Listen, the details don't matter. So we're in the Quick Trip, and we were in line, like in line, which is odd. If you've been in a quick trip, they don't even have lines. Like they're, like, they're like, hey, see you next time, a.k.a. you need to get moving. You need to get out. Like, glad you're here, but we want you to get out so we can keep this line moving. And the line was long, and, uh, you know, I'm 49. So, I, man, I hate lines. I hate waiting. I hate sometimes I hate, like, I just, like, this. Uh, and I'm this guy in the line, you know, this guy. And then if I'm in the line long enough, if I'm with, uh, uh, serious. That's my line. This seriously, bro. <laughs> and there was a guy like in the, in the one, there's only two cash registers, there's guy at the one cash register. And he, man, he was there like so long. It's like he worked there. It was like, he was there so long that he was so old that he remembered when dirt came out. Like he remembered the first car. And I wondered if he was confused because I was pretty sure his first car was this one, you know, where you do this on the front. And he was like, gas, what is gas? We don't, I don't have gas where I come from. And so I was getting mad, angry. And I looked at Isaiah. I said, bro, this guy's been paying for, and then it goes a little bit, this guy's been paying for gas. We I mean, had seven of us who have gone through here before this guy even got done. Then I got up to the register, and he's in the register next to me. He's, I'm talking about, he's, he's, he, he uh, was 90 a while ago. And so he, he was at the register, and his card wouldn't work. And then I looked up, and he had the, the U.S.S. So I said, oh, it's bad I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't have to say nothing else. Mm-hmm. So then I got in a hurry. I wanted an old girl to finish my transaction, cause now I wanted to go pay for his gas, but I didn't want I didn't want him to leave before I could pay for his gas. So then I went over uh, to to pay for his gas and, and he looked at me like I like 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 I just won Powerball. Two billion, and I get. Which, by the way, that dude's bringing home seven hundred eighty-two million dollars. The devil is a liar. Why didn't I win? So anyway, I, I put my uh, car down. He looked at me like he couldn't believe it. And I just, uh, shook his shook his hand gingerly. <laughs> I don't want to break it. You know, what I'm <laughs> you're like, he's such a sinner. Why has God ever blessed you? And so, like, I just uh, shook his hand. I just said. uh. I just said, uh, man, thank you for your service and, and I just walked out and it, it, here's what I realized. I have been in the most difficult season of my life for like two years. And like my nose can barely make bubbles on the top, The homeboy is 90 he already pumped his gas. And the guy was like, bro, I don't don't know what to tell you. You need to pay for, you need to pay for this gas. And in the middle, in the middle of my nose, just being above the surface, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, uh, you, you need to help other people. And if you'll help other people, then I'll help you because you need to let your morning change your perspective. Here's the third is that morning will empty you out to make room for new blessings. It, it will empty you out so that you can make room for more blessings. Some of you aren't being blessed because you're too full of animosity. There ain't no room for a blessing. Some of you aren't being blessed because you're too full of anger. And it is, you're so full of your mourning. You're so full of the thing that you're sad about. You're so full of the thing that you're mad about that you keep asking God to bless you. And God's like, man, just make some room, bro. Just... Just empty it out. If you'll just empty yourself out of all of the stuff that you have allowed to be put in, then I will replace that with the things that I wanted to put in. And there's nothing that will bring you comfort like helping other people in need. Like right after this miracle, we see Jesus walk on water and help Peter do the same thing. And both of those miracles happened after he poured himself out. He he poured himself out to heal the people and then and then the Holy Spirit filled him back up so so that he could feed the people and then and then he poured himself out in feeding the people and the Holy Spirit filled him back up so that he could do something that no one in the history of time before or since other than Peter had done he he filled him back up with the ability to go on and do another miracle and the more you pour yourself out of one thing the more the Holy Spirit will fill you up with another thing and it's reminiscent listen to the words of St. Paul when he said, my life is like a drink offering being poured out on the altar. You want to be filled up, pour out. So as soon as Jesus heard about the news about John the Baptist's death, he went off by himself in a boat to a remote area so that he could be alone and mourn. But the crowds, they heard where he was headed and they followed by land from many villages. A vast crowd was there as he stepped off the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick and he filled their bellies. Jump to 22. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat. What boat? The one that he took to get to the place where he could mourn. Verse 13 says he came there alone in the boat. Verse 22 says he puts the disciples in the boat, back in the boat, and it's almost like he uses the disciples as a distraction. He uses the disciples as a diversion and sends them home afterward. Afterward what? After he has healed people, after he has fed people, after he has sent people home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Night fell while he was mourning. Night fell while he was doing what he had been trying to do in the first place. Here's the point. One of the greatest miracles that the world has ever seen, the feeding of the 5,000, was a divine detour. It happened at a place and at a time where Jesus could have easily felt like he was off track. And I wonder where you're feeling off track today. In something small like what you drive or where you live or in something big like your career, like your marriage, like your finances, like your health, like your weight. What messages are those things causing you to send yourself? I'm worthless, I'm stupid, I'm lazy, disappointed, a disappointment, unqualified, a sinner. But well, can I tell you that failure is never final. My, my pastor, he used to say, it's never too late to begin again. You are not off track. You are exactly where you need to be if you are in the palm of Jesus' hand. Sometimes your deepest distress is just the divine detour. Get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on Jesus because he's not only the author of, he is the finisher of your faith. Would you close your eyes all across this place? The author and the finisher of your faith. Some of you, you need him to be the author today. Your faith hasn't started For others, you need him to be the finisher. Your faith started, but your faith was diverted. A distress happened. And in that distress, depression happened. And in that depression, you got distracted. You got off track. So I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I am, uh, I am not in the palm of his hand. In the church world, we call that salvation. Say, are you, are you saved? Are you a Christian? Do you have a, A personal relationship with Jesus. That's, that's, are you, are you in the palm of his hand? Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you, uh, maybe you've never been in the palm of his hand. Maybe you used to be in the palm of his hand, but you got out of his hand. But the point is, maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a right relationship with Jesus. And I want to, I want to fix that before I leave here. That requires us to do two things. Confess and profess. Confess that we're a sinner and then profess that Jesus can change that. So, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do both today, and here's how. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask for people to do two things. First, so in just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask for people who are not in the palm of Jesus' hand, uh, in just a moment, to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. That is your act of confession, confessing that you are a sinner. Then, secondly, I'm going to ask every person in here to repeat a prayer after me. I'm going to say a few lines in a prayer, then I'm going to pause. And when I pause, if you repeat what it is I just said, and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here today, you say, Sean, I am not in the palm of Jesus' hand, but I want to be before I leave this place with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks, thanks, thank you. Thanks, thanks. Did I miss anybody? Thanks. Thanks. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here to repeat these words. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. I don't want it. Will you take it? Will you forgive it? Come into my life. Make me different. Make me new. Put me in the palm of your hand. In Jesus' name amen. Maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. I'm, I'm I'm in the palm of his hand, kind of like if I were to die today, I know that I would go to heaven. Uh, but for whatever reason, in whatever area, you would say, Sean, I feel like I'm off track. If that's you, I want the opportunity to pray for you today. So if you're here and you say, Sean, I feel like I'm off track, would you just raise your hand so that I could pray for you today? Good night. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, for my for my friends in this place, I pray blessings, I pray peace that surpasses All understanding, God, I pray that wherever it is that they have gotten diverted, God, I pray that they would get rerouted. I pray that you would bring them back on track, put them back in the center of your will and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That, the Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.